My name's John Redmond, and I'm the associate pastor at First Baptist Church in Pasadena, Texas. And today on Peace by Believing, we're going to be thinking about how God uses trials to prepare us for Judgment Day. Now, we know that as Christians, one of these days, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ in judgment. The Bible calls this particular judgment the judgment seat of Christ. And on this particular day, God will not be judging us for our sins. Our sins have already been judged at the cross. When Jesus Christ was crucified at the cross, He paid the full penalty for all of our sins. And so our sins have already been judged. Our sins have already been paid for. God will never judge us for sins that Jesus has already been judged for. But one day we will be judged for the way in which we have lived our lives. Again, it's called the judgment seat of Christ. We'll be judged based on our service of God. We'll be judged based on whether our lives were all about God or all about uh, ourselves. The judgment seat of Christ is that special day in the future when we will receive rewards from God for all the good things that we have done for Him when we had the right motives, when our hearts were right. And so it's a very, very important day. Now, God wants us to do well at this particular judgment. God doesn't want us to stand before Him one day at the judgment seat and and to do poorly. And so God is committed to doing everything imaginable to helping us prepare for this day of judgment. And one of the things that God does is that He allows trials to come into our lives sometimes. And these trials, anytime you have a trial that comes into your life, there's always a purpose for it. God has allowed that trial for some reason. He has permitted you, and sometimes He permits me to have trials, but there's always a purpose and there's always a reason for it. And so I pray that today's program will be a blessing for you, and maybe God will use this program to help you look at the trial you're currently facing a little bit differently, to see it from another perspective, maybe even to give you an appreciation for the trial that you have right now, knowing that if you respond properly, God could use this trial to help you do better on Judgment Day. I want to begin with a tongue twister, a five-word tongue twister, that I'm probably going to mess it up. And I've been practicing it all afternoon, so I wouldn't mess it up. But I want you to listen to this, and this is going to be the foundation for our sermon tonight. Here it is. You ready? Say amen. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. All starts with the letter P. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Let's see if we can all say that. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Now by yourselves. And that is true in every area of life. If you are called upon this week to give a speech for your company and you're a little bit nervous about that, if you will prepare properly for that speech, you'll do a better job. It will not be a poor speech. It will be a good speech. When we come to church on Sunday mornings and Sunday night and we hear this choir and the musicians behind us, I mean, I think we would have to say that whatever they did on Wednesday night, it was proper preparation. Amen? Because they came out here tonight and it was not a 
a, a poor performance. It was good. It was worshipful, and it was, it, was, it was very well prepared. Any area of life, football season is just around the corner. High schools play on Friday night. Colleges on Saturday. Pros play on Sunday. But however much success, whatever the performance of those teams may be on game day, it is dependent upon what they have done on the days leading up to the game. Why? Because proper preparation prevents poor performance. Now, I think that little saying is especially true when it comes to the judgment seat of Christ. That day when we will stand before Jesus Christ in judgment to be judged, not for our sins, but to be judged for how we have lived our lives. In other words, have we lived our lives for God or have we lived our lives for ourselves? And even in our service of God, have our motives been to honor God or have our motives been to exalt and to promote ourselves? Has, has everything we've done for God been motivated by pride and ego and a desire to please others and a desire to be popular or to be accepted? And at the judgment seat of Christ, all of that is going to be revealed. And so if ever we don't want to have a poor performance... It is going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. When we stand before the Lord Jesus and He reviews our lives, we want to be able to hear Him say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, we know that we want that experience to be good. We desire to do well at the final judgment. But God wants it to be a good experience for us too. God finds no joy in one day seeing us at that judgment seat and all of our works and service for Him go up in smoke. That brings God no joy. God wants to be able to review our lives and say, you know what? You devoted your life to me. Your life was not all about you. It was not all about making money. It was not all about making a name for yourself. It was not all about impressing others. Your life was about me. And I can say to you now, well done, good and faithful servant. And then Jesus will begin to dispense the rewards that he has in store for us. And so God wants that to be a good experience for us. And God is committed to doing everything imaginable to ensuring that the judgment seat of Christ is a good experience in our lives. And one of the things that God does so that we can do well at what will be the final judgment for Christians is that God allows trials into our lives. You know, wait a second. Why would, what, what difference does it make if I have a trial in my earthly life? How is that going to affect how I one day do at the judgment seat of Christ? Well, that's what this message is about tonight, and I hope to answer that question. But before we get into that, let me make an opening statement about the judgment seat of Christ. And you might want to just jot this down in your notes. First of all, the judgment seat of Christ is a future event. It is something that hasn't happened yet. It is out there in our future. It is a future event that has eternal consequences, that has eternal consequences and should affect everything about our daily lives. And so this, this, this day, this, this date that God has set, God knows when it will be. God knows when you and I will stand before Him and be judged for our lives. That, it's a future event. And the, the results of that event have eternal consequences. In other words, through all eternity, 
If we have done well at the judgment seat of Christ, we will be so very grateful that we devoted our lives to the Lord and to His work. And because of that, it should affect everything about our daily lives. And so the judgment seat of Christ is a future event that should change how we live our lives each and every day. And I guess because I'm preaching on the judgment seat of Christ several Sunday nights in a row, I have been thinking more about this event than I normally would, and I'm convinced I should be thinking about it more than I am, because everything about our earthly lives, every decision we make, everything we do should be, those decisions should be made with the judgment seat of Christ in mind. And one of the things that God allows into our lives to prepare us for that day is trials. Now, why does God allow us to have trials to prepare us for the judgment. Well, let's think about that. Trials give us opportunities that we would not normally have. Some of you are going through a trial tonight, and you may not have thought about your trial as an opportunity. You've thought about your trial as a pain in the neck, or you've thought about your trial as something that you must endure, or you've thought about your trial as just something you wish you could get out of. And yet when God looks at that trial, God says... You, you don't see it like I see it, but I have given you in this trial an opportunity that you would not have had if you didn't have this problem. And God says, if you will respond properly to that trial and take advantage of this opportunity, then at the judgment, you're going to be better off than you would have been. So think about what I'm saying. Trials give us the opportunity to do better on judgment day than we would if we didn't have the trial. Now, open your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Peter, and I want us to begin there, and I want us to think tonight about specifically what opportunities we find during the trials of life, and we'll just begin reading in 1 Peter chapter number 1, because there's several things I want us to see tonight, and the first is simply this, trials give us opportunities to develop our faith. Trials give us opportunities to develop our faith, and our faith is very important, not only to us, but it is important to God. And at the judgment seat of Christ, the quality of your faith is going to be one of the things that you're judged for. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, Peter is writing to Christians who are going through all manner of trials, and he says this, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness uh, of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so in verse 6, he just makes this observation. He says, you're being grieved by different trials, different problems in your life, different adversities, different pressures, different stresses, different things that are making your life difficult right now. But in verse 7, he gives us the reason for this trial, that the genuineness of your faith would be revealed and that it could bring great honor and glory to God. And so one of the opportunities that we have when we're going through a trial is we have an opportunity to develop our faith. We have an opportunity to trust God more. We have an opportunity to depend on the Lord in ways that we normally would not depend on Him. Now turn back to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 
And I'll show you how this worked out in the Apostle Paul's life because he was certainly not immune to trials and challenges and all kind of difficulties. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he's reflecting on some of the things that he has been through. And in verse number 8, Paul says this. He says, We do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, for our trouble which came upon us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And so he's saying the same thing Peter had said. He's saying he's had all kinds of trials, and his got so bad he despaired even of life. He didn't even want to go on another day. And yet he said, as he reflected on those trials, the reason God had allowed him to have those problems was so that his faith would be in God and his faith would not be in himself. And so sometimes in life, we have these situations where the only place we can look is up. Because in ourselves, we can't solve the problem. We can't make the trial go away and neither can anybody else. And so we look up to God and we begin to strengthen and we begin to grow in our faith. Now, I'll give you two little statements that sometimes help me and as far as my faith is concerned. And uh, maybe it will help you tonight. You say, well, John, I'm going through a trial. How can I grow in my faith? How can I develop? How can, how can this trial do me some good so that my faith could grow and be purified and all the doubt and worry and ex- the anxiety, all that could come out of me. And one day when I stand before Jesus, he would be able to look at me, not only to look at me, but to look in me and through me. And he would be able to see faith that is pure and that is developed and that is undefiled. These two statements help me when I'm going through a trial. Number one, remember this. God knows what he's doing. Say that with me. God knows what he's doing. And number two, God has something good in mind. Say that with me. God has something good in mind. And so whatever we're going through in life, if we just remember that, God knows what he's doing. God has something good in mind. God knows what he's doing. And God has something good in mind. And you just keep living that. You just keep believing that. You just keep saying that. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's allowed into my life. And God has something good in mind. You say, John, does that mean that God has allowed me to have this problem? No. But it, that, that, that he caused it? No. But it does mean that he allowed it. And he never would have allowed it if he didn't know what he was doing. And so he does know what he's doing. And he does have something very good in mind. The book of Job is such a practical book talking about a man who had trials. He lost everything, lost his family, lost his money, lost his health, lost his reputation. If all those other things weren't bad enough, then he lost his reputation within the community. People were saying, Job, the reason for all your problems is there's sin in your life. And Job knew, yes, that he was a sinner, but he knew that he hadn't done anything to cause all that. And so at the very end of Job's book, after he has gone through all these problems and all these questions, and God, why have you allowed this into my life and so on? In Job 42, in verse 2, in the NIV, Job says this, and I'm paraphrasing the first part, but he said, God, I have learned, this part is right out of the NIV, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. And so that is the confidence that we have as Christians when we're going through trials. You know what? God knows what he's doing. God has something good in mind. And no purpose in the mind of God can be thwarted. This trial, this difficulty is not going to do me anything but good in the end. And so trials, first of all, give us an opportunity to develop our faith. Number two, trials give us an opportunity to demonstrate love. 
at the judgment seat of Christ, one of the things God will judge us on is our love, is do we have love in our hearts? Not only for our faith, but He's going to judge us based on whether or not our lives were motivated by love. Now, turn back in Matthew chapter 5, and let's just think about this for a moment. Because in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus deals with the importance of having a loving heart, of having no anger, no bitterness, no unforgiveness, no hard feelings, no grudges. God wants our hearts to be free of all that. And in, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, in verse 44, Jesus says this, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now, notice at the beginning of that verse, he said, love your enemies. Now, isn't it interesting how he said that? Because when he said, love your enemies, he was just assuming that you would have enemies. He didn't say, if you get out there in life, and if you encounter an enemy, under the rare chance that that might happen, you be sure to love them. No. He said, in life, you're going to have enemies. You're going to have people who stand against you. You're going to have people who talk about you. You're going to have people who try to hurt you. You're going to have, there'll be people in your life, if you ever try to do anything, who hope you fail. These are your enemies. Now, this doesn't mean you're their enemy. You're not doing those things to them, but they're your enemy. What is an enemy? It's an opponent. It's someone who stands in your way. It's someone who prevents you from easily doing what you feel like God has called you to do. They're your enemy. And Jesus said, in life, when you get out there and you begin to encounter these types of people, what your responsibility is to love them. Now, probably most people would say that it is more difficult to love our enemies than it is to trust God. I mean, the first point about trusting God, we all need to have more faith, but I think we get that a little bit. But this whole idea of loving our enemies Blessing those who curse us, praying that God would bless people who we know they don't want to bless us, and yet Jesus says, this is one of the things that I'm looking for, and this we know is one of the things that at the judgment, he's going to evaluate us on. Was our life motivated by love? And so we have to stop tonight and ask ourselves this question. Do we have love in our hearts, or do we have all the other negative stuff that so many times can mess us up? And so tonight, if you have a person in your life that you're having difficulty loving, difficulty forgiving, you're holding a grudge against, here's your homework assignment. You need to go home, and you need to figure out how you can love that person. And you need to figure out how you can forgive that person. Now, I'll, I'll give you some things tonight that will help you with that. Maybe you can get it all figured out before you go home. But probably most people here tonight would say, maybe I've got somebody at work or somebody in my life or some family situation, and I'm having a hard time loving. What, how can I do that? Let me just give you a couple of little nuggets here that, that I think you'll find helpful. First of all, that person that you are having difficulty loving is actually God's gift to you. Now, you haven't thought about it that way. And uh, you probably don't even agree with that statement. You say, John, if this is a gift that God has given me, how can I exchange the gift? <laughs> or how can I return this gift to God? Because God didn't give me the gift. God may not have given you the gift you wanted, but God gave you the gift you needed. 
And when God allowed that person to come into your life that you're having to go at work with every day and it's like this or whatever the environment may be, that, I'm telling you, that person is God's gift to you because that person has provided you an opportunity to demonstrate unconditional love. And if God had not allowed that person into your life, in all, you know, if all you had in your little world were yes people and people who loved you, well, you never have an opportunity to demonstrate unconditional love. And so in all of our lives, it doesn't matter who we are, as we go through life, now I'm not saying it's constant all the way through life. I'm saying this probably will come and go and all the way. But not, I'm not saying it's going to be every day. But what I am saying is there will be seasons of life where you're going to encounter people that you think are difficult to love. And you're right in thinking that. They are difficult to love. But I'm telling you, they're God's gift to you. And if you could accept them as God's gift, that a sovereign God, just like He allows trials into our lives, sometimes He allows difficult people into our lives. And if you could just say, you know what, God? I have an opportunity here to love like Jesus loved. I have an opportunity here to forgive like you forgive me. And if you could find a way in your heart to forgive that person for whatever they've done and to love them, I mean, genuinely in your heart, not to have any bad feelings. Now, they may not even know that you have bad feelings, but you know that you have bad feelings. And what I'm saying is, if you could get to a place, if I could get to a, if all of us could get to a place where before God, we could say, Lord, as best as I can know my own heart, I don't have any bad feelings towards anybody else in the world. No, I think this would be a good little Ground, a little motto to try to live by. No hard feelings. Say that with me. No hard feelings. Say it again. Turn to the person next to you and say, I have no hard feelings towards you. None. No hard feelings. Now say, except that one thing you said yesterday that really rubbed me the wrong way. So we want to have no, no hard feelings. This is, this is huge. God is going to judge us based on not just our actions, but our love. And he wants there to be love in our heart. And have you learned this? It takes too much energy to hold a grudge. And if you can just bring yourself somehow to forgive them and to love them and to pray for them and to be nice to them. And as I say, genuinely to have no hard feelings towards those people. No hard feelings. Wouldn't it be great if we could all live and that be true of us, that we have no hard feelings towards another soul in the whole world? Well, God wants us to reach that point, and that's one of the reasons that God allows trials into our lives, so that He can not only develop our faith, but so that He can help us to demonstrate unconditional love, the love of Jesus Christ to other people. And so one day when you stand before Jesus at that judgment, that judgment seat of Christ, if you have faith in your heart that is and that has been purified where all the doubt and worry and anxiety, all that has been removed and pulled out of your faith and burned out of your faith. And then your love is pure before him where there's, there's no hard feelings, there's no grudges, there, there's no bitterness, there's, there's no unforgiveness, but there's just unconditional love in your heart for other people. 
God will be very pleased with you. And God will be able to say to you on that day, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I want to encourage you to do something today that I think will be a good use of your time and that I think will be a further blessing to you, kind of an extension of the program that we've had today. If you would visit our website at peacebybelieving.org, that's peacebybelieving.org, and when you get on the website, you're going to see lots of sermons that we have uh, had in recent programs and recent broadcasts. You could listen to those. Maybe they would be a blessing. But if you'll scroll down, you'll find a tab that says Spiritual Growth. And if you'll click on that tab, it will take you to some booklets that we have written through the years. And I want to draw your attention to two booklets in particular that I think could be a blessing to you. One of them is called Riding Out the Storms of Life. And the other one is called Finding Freedom Through Forgiveness. Riding out the storms of life, finding freedom through forgiveness. And you can read those booklets. They're not long at all. You can read them on your computer. And I think they will help reinforce what we've talked about on today's program about how you can grow in your faith and in your love during the storms and difficulties of life.